I'm Timothy Putnam, and I'll be your host for the next hour. Each week, we gather right here to explore the foundations of our faith, to look at the implications of our faith on our daily lives, so that together, you and I can prepare to live outside the walls. I told you last week that today was going to be uh, an All Saints episode. You know, this week, there's going to be a lot of conversation about the 500th anniversary of the Protestant Reformation. Uh, You're going to hear it on Protestant radio from a certain tack. You're going to hear it on Catholic radio from a different tack. But everyone seems to be turning their attention toward this, and and I don't want to. Uh, I want to turn our attentions toward something else, something uh, that is uh, stable, something that is continuous, and something that is for our benefit. And that is the fact that we have a communion of the saints that we declare every Sunday in the Creed. I believe in the communion of the saints. We declare it every time we pray the rosary as we pray the Apostles' Creed before that. I believe in the communion of the saints. And so here we have this this greatest holy day that we recognize that on All Saints' Day. Uh, And I want to take the time to really focus in on what this means. What are the implications of this? What does this mean practically for us and not just in some theological treatise? Uh, And so we're going to be taking a look at that today with the help of our guest later in the show. Because All Saints Day is more than just celebrating the canonized saints, right? It's not just looking at at, at who falls in the canon who maybe they had a, a, a small feast day and they, they got bumped by some other solemnity. No, this is celebrating the whole church triumphant, those who are currently residing before the throne of God. This means everyone in heaven, uh, including those who are in your family who have gone before, we're celebrating them and we are asking for their intercession and we're remembering that those who have gone before us, while they are not here on earth, while they do not have their earthly bodies, they are in fact alive before the throne of God, praying for us and sharing in in the goodness, in the full face goodness of God, the beatific vision. Uh, And so, this, uh, this, this show kind of just happened today because uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was uh, moderating the comments on my blog, which has really been pretty dormant. I haven't done a whole lot with it. And uh, lo and behold, I get this email telling me I've got a comment that I need to moderate. And it, it comes from today's guest. And he, uh, he was looking for saints who had lost children. He was just trying to find uh, some of those pictures. And, and if you recall... Back in January, we nearly lost uh, one of our our children. Uh, he quit breathing on us and and would not for the life of us. We could not get him to start breathing again, uh, and so we called the ambulance and we took him into the hospital and they they were able to get him stabilized, but still couldn't tell us why he had quit breathing. And so we we continue on knowing that that could happen again. Uh, but as as I stared at his little face and the color coming back to his cheeks, and I, I thanked God for his life, uh, I was made keenly aware that uh, it happens over and over many, many times a day that someone doesn't end up with a good outcome, and they lose that child. And so I, I felt compelled to pray a, a novena to, uh, to saints who had lost a child, uh, on behalf of those parents who shared that experience. And so I couldn't find one, so I wrote one. We uh, had nine different saints that we uh, asked for their intercession over the course of the nine days. And 
this uh, this father found this. He found it, and, and he uh, it brought him some consolation as he is coming up on the second anniversary of the loss of his daughter, his 11-year-old daughter. And so uh, he thanked me for it, and, and just pretty random, he gave me a couple of details, but you, you don't give me a couple of details without me finding you, because that's how the internet works. Uh, and I found him, and it turns out that he is uh, an assistant professor of theology uh, at Walsh University in, uh, in Ohio. So he comes at All Saints with this theological understanding, right? He's got this, this grasp of the faith, but now he also has a very visceral experience with the loss of his daughter. So we, we uh, shot a couple of emails back and forth, and I asked if he might be interested in joining us today. And to my, uh, to my surprise and to my pleasant surprise, he was very amicable. Uh, he wants to come today and talk to us a little bit about his daughter, about her life, about uh, what was just remarkable in his mind, uh, what he learned from his daughter about the faith, and then talk a little bit about what the loss has meant, what it's, uh, what that experience has been for him and his wife and his family. So as we get further into the show today, we're going to be talking with him. Now, this is a show that if you know someone uh, who would benefit from this, I want to encourage you to send this to them. Uh, you can get to it as soon as it's done broadcasting here. It's going to be up on OutsideTheWalls.com. You click the episode archive link, and it'll be right there, ready for you to share on your social media. Tag whoever you need to tag. Uh, let them have the benefit of, of his testimony. Now, because we are having this conversation with him, it's, uh, we're, we're going to give him as much time as possible uh, to share with us his insights on all saints. And so I want to go ahead and do our reading from Scripture and from church history right now. And our reading from Scripture comes from Romans 8, where we hear this. Brothers and sisters, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are as nothing compared with the glory to be revealed for us. For creation awaits with eager expectation the revelation of the children of God. For creation was made subject to futility, not of its own accord, but because of one who subjected it, in hope that creation itself would be set free from slavery to corruption and share in the glorious freedom of the children of God. We know that all creation is groaning in labor pains, even until now. And not only that, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we also groan within ourselves as we await adoption, the redemption of our bodies. For in hope we were saved. Now hope that sees for itself is not hope. For who hopes for what one sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait with endurance. That reading comes from Romans 8. And today's reading from church history comes from a letter by St. Clement I. Consider, beloved, how the Lord keeps reminding us of the resurrection that is to come, of which he has made the Lord Jesus Christ the firstfruits by raising him from the dead. Let us look, beloved, at the resurrection that occurs at its appointed time. Day and night show us a resurrection. The night lies in sleep. Day rises again. The day departs. Night takes its place. Let us think about the harvest. How does sowing take place, and in what manner? The sower goes out and casts each seed onto the ground. Dry and bare, they fall into the earth and decay. Then 
the greatness of the Lord's providence raises them up again from decay, and out of one many are produced and yield fruit. In this hope, then, let our hearts be bound fast to him who is faithful in his promises and just in his judgments. He forbade us to tell lies, still less will he himself tell a lie. Nothing is impossible for God except to tell a lie. Then let our faith in him be awakened. Let us reflect that everything is close to him. By the word of his power he established all things, and by his word he can reduce them to ruin. Who shall say to him, What have you done? Who shall stand up against the power of his might? He will accomplish everything when he wills, as he wills, and nothing that he has decreed shall pass away. All things stand in his presence, and nothing lies hidden from his counsel. If the heavens tell forth the glory of God, the firmament reveals the work of his hands, day speaks to day, and night shares knowledge with night. There are no words, no speeches, and their voices are not heard. Since all things lie open to his eyes and ears, let us hold him in awe and rid ourselves of impure desires to do works of evil, so that we may be protected by his mercy from the judgment that is to come. Which of us can escape his mighty hand? What world will give asylum to the one who deserts him? Where will I go? Where will I hide from your face? If I go to heaven, you are there. If I go to the limits of the earth, your right hand is there. If I lie down in the deep, your spirit is there. Where then can one go? Where can one escape to from the presence of him whose hands embrace the universe? Let us then approach him in holiness of soul, raising up to him hands pure and undefiled out of love for our good and merciful Father who made us a chosen portion for himself. That reading from church history comes from a letter to the Corinthians by St. Clement I. We do have this hope in the resurrection. We do have hope as we face death, not only as we face our own death, but as we face the death of those we love. We have hope in the goodness and the mercy of God. We have hope that through his life, death, and resurrection, Jesus has reconciled us to himself. He's reconciled us to God the Father and made a way for us to share heaven. And not only that, but then to pray for the whole church on earth. And so we turn to those who have gone before us, to our loved ones, to our family members, and we ask for their intercession this All Saints Day. When we come back, we're going to be talking with Dr. Chad Gerber, a very intimate story about how his family has reacted and responded to the loss of his daughter coming up on two years on Halloween. Don't go anywhere. It's going to be a show worth your time. Go on over to OutsideTheWalls.com. There you'll find our episode archive. You can leave us a review on iTunes, and you can find a way to support the show through Patreon. little link there. For as little as $2 a month, we'll give you extra weekly content and much more. You can also join the ongoing conversation over at Facebook.com slash StepOutsideTheWalls. On Twitter, the handle's at OutsideTheWalls. We want you to be a part of it. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back right after this. Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the foundations and implications of our faith on daily life. 
I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. And today uh, we're talking, or jumping ahead a couple of days, we're talking about All Saints. Uh, It's the Solemnity. So Wednesday, uh, make sure you find your way into church. It is a holy day of obligation. Uh, And so we're talking about this day where the church says, hey, we're going to celebrate all the saints, not just the saints that we have on our canonized list, but all the saints, your, your, your great-grandparents and, and those who have lived lives uh, in union with God uh, and who now share with the beatific vision, who are there in the presence of God praying for us as the whole church, the church triumphant. Uh, and today, to talk about that, we have uh, the uh, Dr. Chad Gerber. He's an assistant professor of theology at Walsh University in Ohio. Uh, he's a theologian, but more importantly, he has some very specific uh, experience with with All Saints. It's a profound day for his family, uh, a day of uh, maybe a day of ambivalence, of joy, but also of grief. So, Dr. Gerber, thank you so much for being here on the show today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. So now you have, uh, All Saints has a, a singular place in your family. Uh, a lot of folks name their their homes or their, uh, you know, we, we were in St. Bridget Manor for a long time uh, before mm-hmm. we moved. You, your, your place of residence uh, is named after this day, after All Saints. That's right. That's right. We live on a, a little hobby farm of 20 acres uh, in Ohio's Amish country, um, just down the road, actually, from where my wife and I both grew up. And uh, we just recently moved there. We spent years developing the property, but we've moved uh, March 28th of this year. And we've named the property All Saints Farm. So talk a little bit about your connection to that. What, what, what brought All Saints to the forefront for you? Yeah, well, it has, it has a rich meaning for us. Um, I suppose going back uh, since we've had children, especially since we've entered the, the Catholic faith almost 10 years ago, um, the saints are just a big part of our lives as a, as a family. We home educate and, uh, you know, we're trying to, to raise saints. And, and one way that we uh, seek to form our children, uh, to make them holy, to, to keep them near to our Lord, is just to have lives that are filled with the saints. We start our days um, by reading about a saint every day around breakfast. Uh, my wife often takes care of that as she's in, in charge of uh, our kids' education at home. Um, throughout the day with the, uh, my children's curricula, we weave the lives of the saints into their lessons and often, you know, find ourselves just in ad hoc conversations or around dinner or whatever, you know, those, the, those lives come back up again. Um, our home, in fact, our whole hobby farm from the barn to little guest house that we have to the house itself is filled with statuary and icons, uh, of, of the saints. And then during say our family, prayer times, uh, we, we weave into those as well, uh, intercessions, novenas. Uh, we end every evening prayer, for example, with a sung litany of the saints. Um, so it's, it's sort of a, just a part of a family life, I suppose, on one level. And then on, on another, I think it's a, a slightly more profound and, and painful level, um, we lost a child two years ago uh, on All Hallows' Eve. And so the name of the property then also speaks to the fact that we have sort of our own little patron saint, our daughter Evelyn, who age, at age 11 died uh, on the eve of all saints. Mm-hmm. And I've read just a little bit of, of the story that your, your wife has blogged a little bit about uh, that experience and, and processed her grief a little bit that way. 
And one of the things that she mentioned was a, a phrase that your your daughter said prior to her passing about All Saints. Yeah, yeah. My daughter, she actually said a number of things, Timothy, before she died that are a little strange, I suppose, for an 11-year-old little girl to say. Um, that, that kind of spoke to her her love for Jesus, her, her longing to be with him, um, such that sometimes when my wife and I sit and we talk about the things she said, whether to us or other people, you know, there's almost this this question in your mind, did, did Evie know that her life on earth would be short? Um, you know, recently had a, a priest friend that I was talking to sharing some of these things about, he said, did, do you think Evie knew she was going to die? I said, I don't think she self-consciously knew, but I think she really loved our Lord and longed to be with him. And with regard to the Feast of All Saints, for example, uh, shortly before she died, um, I think she was looking ahead to the coming celebration of All Saints Day, which is a big deal in our house, as you can imagine. And kids dress up as their favorite saint and so forth. She said to a dear friend of hers, she said, you know, when I die, I want it to be, um, I'm not sure if she said before or on All Saints Day, because I want to be there to celebrate with all of the church in heaven. Um, and that's something that came out uh, the day, I think is the day or the next day after she died, we were with that family and they shared with us what she had said. We're talking today with Dr. Chad Gerber, assistant professor of theology at Walsh University. And we're talking about the loss of his daughter, Evie. And when I first read on your wife's blog that, uh, that she had had that desire, I, I just assumed that she had passed away from a, a protracted illness, but it doesn't seem that was the case. No, not, a, not at all. No, there was no inclination uh, that she uh, was sick or, or anything like that. Um, it was actually quite sudden, and in many ways her death was uh, not just unexpected. One of the most unexpected places and, and things that I can imagine. I mean, um, there was, she showed no signs of a, a genetic mutation that she had that ultimately killed her, uh, and we were actually at a, a piano recital when she died. So it was, it was quite a, a shocking event. Yeah. So, so now you, here you have this, this family acknowledgement of all saints. The saints are important to you as a family. And as we, as a theologian, we look at days like all saints and we, we can assent to the fact that yes, the saints are not just those who are canonized. It's all those who are before the throne of God. And, and all of us have mm-hmm. that capacity. We're all uh, capable through the work of Jesus Christ of, of being reconciled to God in the place where we can come and, and spend our eternity with him. We can, we can assent to that uh, in, our, in our minds and in our theology. Uh, but now you're approaching this in, in All Saints Day, not just in an in a academic or a theological or philosophical way, you now have a very strong uh, visceral connection to All Saints Day and to the, the, the communion of the saints, to the church triumphant. How did this experience shift your understanding of, of the day and of theology? Well, Timothy, I don't know if it shifted it or changed it, but it certainly intensified it or, or made it just more real you know, as you can imagine, um, you know, as, as I was mentioning, the, the saints uh, have a daily role in our lives and the, the celebration of All Saints Day, the whole actually All Hallows, the Triduum, the three days surrounding All Saints Day have been very sacred in our lives. But as you can imagine now, having uh, lost a, a child um, and having lost a child, you know, during that Triduum on All Hallows Eve, 
um, it becomes uh, just an extraordinary time of year, an extraordinarily painful time of year, of course, mm-hmm. as we continue to grieve only two years out, you know, grieve rather intensely the loss of our daughter. Um, but also an incredibly prayerful and, and powerful time of year as we, we think about our daughter at Christ's side in heaven uh, in perfect peace and experiencing perfect joy as we give thanks for her life, as we give thanks for her faith and her salvation, as we imagine that day that we'll see her again, um, as we ask for her intercession now. I mean, that's, that's a pretty crazy thing, Timothy, that, that, right. you know, speak to your child in heaven and, and ask them now to help you. You know, I don't know how many times that I, I mean, daily I'm in prayer and I ask for my daughter's help, but how many times I've sort of seen the, the, I don't know, almost as it were kind of changing of positions now and by as the father mm-hmm. seek her help, you know, uh, from heaven, pray for your daddy, pray for me that I can be faithful to, to your mother and, and can, you know, raise your, your siblings in the faith and be strong for them and, and so forth, you know, seeking her help in heaven. So the whole day has been enriched, of course, um, thinking of my daughter among the saints, but of course it's also a day of, of, of great sorrow as well as we, we miss her, you know, we miss her deeply. How have you, um, how have you as a family, you know, it's, I think of, of grief on, a, on an individual level, but you're also having to deal with corporate grief because it's not just your grief or just your wife's grief, but it's the whole family. What are some of the things that you do to, uh, to process that corporate grief? It's complicated. Losing a, losing a child is complicated because it changes everything okay. in, in family life. Um, you know, that's something we... I think we're still coming to grips with is the way it changes everything. And Evie, Evie was a very special little girl. She, we called her the glue, the glue of our family because of her kind of location in the family order, the way that she was a big sister to her two younger sisters, uh, but also very close to her older brother, our first child, the way that she was a little helper around the home. So willing uh, to help my wife, uh, each and every day as, as they, uh, did homeschooling and prepared meals and cleaned up. Um, so, so Evie's death has just really rocked our entire family world. You know, it's, it's changed everything. And it's, it's been her, her absence. I guess this is what I'm saying. Her absence has just been so obvious in family life, you know, in every aspect of family life. And, We've, we talk about that. I think that's perhaps what's most important um, is we don't just internalize our grief and keep it to ourselves. We cry. Yeah. We talk about Evie constantly. When, when her absence is felt, we acknowledge that with words. Mm-hmm. Uh, we say specifically what, you know, what we miss about her or the memories that we had of her. We're talking today with Dr. Chad Gerber, Assistant Professor of Theology at Walsh University. Uh, talking about the loss of his daughter, Evie, two years ago and the lessons that they've learned as a family, uh, the, the draw that they have now to the solemnity of All Saints, which is coming up here on Tuesday. We're going to continue this conversation with Dr. Gerbert right after the break. Join us over on social media, facebook.com slash step outside the walls on Twitter. The handle's at outside the walls. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the foundations and the implications of our faith on our daily life. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. Today we're talking about all saints in a different way uh, than, than we normally talk about on this show. We're talking about a very vulnerable, a very intimate part of the life of the Gerber family. We're speaking with Dr. Chad Gerber. He's an assistant professor of theology at Walsh University in Ohio, but much more than that, he is a father. Uh, and today we're talking about how his family uh, experiences All Saints Day through and maybe enhanced by the loss of, of his daughter, of uh, his children's sister, Evie. Evie. Uh, and so we were right in the middle of talking about how the family processes grief. And you were talking about how uh, you, you share stories and you, you cry and, and you spend that time together rather than uh, going off in an isolated manner and just uh, experiencing pr- and processing that grief on your own. I, 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 we had to interrupt because of the, of the break, but I want you to continue right there where you were. Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, we keep Evie very much alive in our family. Uh, there's pictures of every, Evie everywhere. There's, uh, we had a, an icon commissioned after her death by a dear friend of ours in our parish who's an iconographer. He, he hand wrote this, this icon, um, that has my daughter in it. It's, it's uh, Evie flanked by, uh, by Mary and by St. Therese, and then behind her, the Lord Jesus wrapping his arms around all of them. It's uh, kind of our all saints icon as, as these saints and our Lord welcome her into heaven. It's, it's just an amazing icon. And below that, we have an oil lamp um, that I brought home from one of my trips to Gethsemane Abbey. And so one tradition in our home is that we light that every morning. Usually I'm the first up and I get up in the morning, I light that oil lamp as kind of a reminder of Evie's presence among us each and every day. Um, I kiss her icon. I say good morning to my daughter as I had every morning during her life on earth. Um, and, you know, as we, we pray, for example, that litany of the saints I mentioned earlier at the end of all of our evening prayers, uh, we now end uh, after, you know, invoking the the intercessions of numerous saints, we now end by invoking the intercession of, of our beloved Evelyn, we say together. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's, there's a real, yes, we're grieving corporately, and, and, and in many ways family life will, will never be the same uh, with a child missing from our family, but we keep her with us, uh, and we're constantly aware of uh, the fact that she is alive. She might not be with us physically, but she's alive with our Lord, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, we remain, in a very real, real sense, united with her. Mm-hmm. Now I want to turn uh, our attention just a little bit, uh, still just a, mm-hmm. a, maybe a little different angle, but still centered on on this relationship here. Uh, in uh, in the book of Deuteronomy, we we have this uh, thing that was given to the children of Israel after they've received the law, and and we hear uh, this command, the, the the Shema, which they repeat very often. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord alone. Therefore, you shall love the Lord your God with your whole heart, with your whole being, with your whole strength. And then we, we often stop there, but the, the command continues. Take to heart these words, which I command you today. Keep repeating them to your children. Recite them when you are at home or when you are away, when you lie down and when you get up. Bind them on your arm as a sign and let them be a pendant on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates." And here's this command for parents to, to pass on the faith at, at every moment when you're eating, when you're lying down, when you're rising, when you're coming in and when you're going out. And 
I feel very often our society isn't conducive to that. We're always running to this event or that uh, that class or whatever we have to shuttle our children around like taxis. Uh, mm-hmm. And so we expect the the specialists to do it. Well, I'll take them to Sunday school. I'll, I'll make sure that they're in RE. Uh, we'll get them through the sacraments. We'll get their confirmation and their their baptism and their first communion. Um, and, and then when they get older, they can choose for themselves or they can get invested in themselves. And that's not what the command of God is. And, and specifically, uh, you know, it's easy to think we have forever with our children to say, oh, well, they're, they're going to get it mm-hmm. eventually. And, and so here we have this example where you provided your daughter uh, a, a life of faith. You provided her the sacraments. You provided her these things. And so now there is this comfort in knowing that because of that strong relationship, she's now interceding for you. Uh, but this wasn't, mm-hmm. I mean, you weren't planning on this. You were planning on having your child be a saint, but after you. Uh, and right. so exactly. So talk a little bit about some of those things that you do uh, and did as a practice of faith that, that you talked about Evie's vibrant faith. What, what were the things that really captured her attention and her imagination? Evie was um, a little girl who was from a young age drawn to spiritual things um, so I have to I have to be cautious, I suppose, in some levels for taking credit for her faith. Yes, we we pray as a family, and part of our home education is, of course, lots of uh, religious education and the reading and memorization of scripture and things. But Evie was just a child who um, I always I was really kind of I marveled at her from when she was even very young at just her longing to know Jesus, her desire to pray, I often found myself, and this is just such a, an amazing thing, myself as a, as a Christian father being inspired by her mm-hmm. because she loved family prayer. If one night, and this, this is common in our family, I'll admit, we fail to do evening prayer. You know, we, we do get busy or we get tired. Uh, Evie would remind us of our obligation to pray. <laughs> um, and she would, hold, she would hold me accountable. Um, or we would find Evie. I mean, I know how many times I took delight in seeing her go off by herself with her rosary. I can remember a number of occasions in the year before she died where I couldn't find her. And I would go looking for her and find her hidden behind a reading chair and back in the corner of, say, the living room, clutching her rosary or, or journaling. She, she kept journals and uh, in those, you know, her prayers and her thoughts on her life and her questions as she was ask, asking near the end of her life about what God wanted for her, who was she to become, what was she to do, you know? Um, so Evie was an extraordinary girl, I think, who, who was just graced with a love for our Lord from a very early age. And so, we, yes, we created an environment to foster that and to cultivate that. And we live a pretty simple life uh, in the country without TV. You know, Evie couldn't have told you the name of, I don't know, Selena Gomez or Miley Cyrus or whatever celebrity, you know, little girls might know these days. Right. Um, but she could tell you all about St. Therese and St. Clair and St. Hildegard of Bingen, you know, and so forth. Um, so we definitely created that environment to foster her love for the Lord, to present her with models of holiness and so forth. Um, but she was, she really was just an incredible girl who from such a young age had a deep, deep love for God and for others. Mm-hmm. And this is what is meant by that 
that statement of Christ that unless you become like a little child, that there's a there's a certain intensity to the devotion of a child that that out far outshines we civilized adults who know so much more about right. theology. <laughs> Uh, exactly. There's this this fervent, <laughs> ardent glow of you know my uh, I've got a, a seven year old daughter who she'll pray the rosary rings around me, uh, and there's just this understanding that they have uh, this mystical t- connection that somehow we've we've maybe uh, rationalized away that they still just get. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I, I I remember um how often, I think especially during the final months of her life, she she would sit across the table from me at dinner. I sat at one head of the table and she would sit at the other, usually stacking up pillows underneath herself to make the seats or hard wooden dining room seats more comfortable. Uh I remember that because they were all over the floor after dinner and I'd have to remind her to pick them up. Um but I remember just you know, as we do as parents, often looking at her and just kind of in, in a sense of wonder, like Lord, just thanking the Lord for her, just wondering. Like, I was not a particularly holy child, Timothy. <laughs> I was, I'm more of a St. Augustine. Augustine. You know, I right. have a pretty radical conversion experience in my later youth and so forth. But, and so I often would just, just look at her and marvel at the fact that she could um, be filled you know, with, with the spirit in just such an obvious way, not just that we saw as parents, but it was something that many other people uh, w- would tell us about, whether she was at this or that homeschool event or, you know, swim practice or soccer practice. We often heard people commenting on uh, just her gentleness of spirit, the way that she would play peacemaker at, at events. She was always the one trying to hold the groups together, uh, the one aware of the, the child at this or that event that was more marginalized, that wasn't involved. She would go get them and ask them to come join them. And, and uh, so I would just find myself often just sort of looking at her thinking, Lord, what a gift. I mean, who is this girl? How is she like this? Again, I felt like I can't take credit for her because especially as I look back at my own youth, I was such a different child. We're talking today with Dr. Chad Gerber. He's an assistant professor of theology over at Walsh University in Ohio. And we first uh, became acquainted with one another through a blog post I wrote uh, earlier this year in January, we had a, a close call where we almost lost one of our children who uh, quit breathing unexpectedly, and uh, we ended up with a good outcome. But uh, I realized as I was meditating on it and thanking God for that, that that not everyone has that experience. And so I, I at that time felt compelled to write a novena, to pray a novena for parents who had lost children. So I put that novena up on social media, and at the end of it, as it was culminating, I put it all together on my blog and this year, as Dr. Gerber was preparing uh, again to commemorate the anniversary of the loss of his daughter, he came across this and, and reached out to me. And so uh, as we approach All Saints, I feel it's just really important for us, first of all, to remember that those that we love who have gone before us truly are before the throne of God. Uh, it's not just the canonized saints. Everyone in heaven is a saint. And second of all, to pray for the families of those who have lost. I'll put that novena up again on my social media. Why don't you join the conversation there? Facebook.com slash Step Outside the Walls. On Twitter, the handle's at Outside the Walls. And when we come back, we're going to continue this conversation with Dr. Gerber as he remembers his daughter. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to Outside the Walls, where we explore the foundations and the implications of our faith on daily life. I'm your host, Timothy Putnam. Today we're talking with Dr. Chad Gerber, Assistant Professor of Theology at Walsh University, just uh, in the northeast quadrant of Ohio, uh, right right there in the middle of uh, Amish and Mennonite country. Mm-hmm. That's right. So now you were raised uh, Mennonite. Uh, was your wife also uh, either Mennonite or Amish? Uh, my wife uh, was raised in a in another Protestant denomination. Though we began dating uh, early in our high school years, and so she also attended my Mennonite church with me. Yes. Okay. We're talking today about uh, your daughter, your daughter Evie, uh, who passed away two years ago at the age of eleven, and her love for All Saints, her love for. Uh, the faith in general, and and what an inspiration she was to you as a family and to us as we have joined your story today. Uh, Share with us a little bit more uh, about her life and her death and how your family has uh, processed and come together and and, uh, been enriched in the midst of the grief. Yeah, of course. Um, I mentioned earlier that her death was... um, shocking and unexpected and it took place in a a piano studio Um, so perhaps i'll say a little bit more about uh, the circumstances surrounding her death and then um, about the way my wife and i have responded to to her passing Um, she died on uh, the eve of all saints day two years ago in 2015. she was attending a halloween themed piano recital kids dress up in costumes and uh, they play a number of small songs that they they've memorized Evie was one of the first up to play. Uh, she played her song, uh, and they were clapping, and she smiled with a big you know, smile of pride, having finished the song perfectly. Uh, she bowed, and, and then she collapsed to the floor. Initially, everyone thought perhaps she, she fainted or she was having a seizure, uh, but it became apparent very quickly that something more serious was happening, and she, she wasn't breathing. So there were some parents there with some medical experience and they began to try to work on her and the ambulance was called. During all of this, I actually was at my office creating midterm examination. She called me and I knew the second uh, I heard her say my name that uh, one of our children was either very hurt or had died. And she explained what had happened uh, to Evie, what was happening. They were still awaiting the ambulance at that point. It was a very short conversation and I hung up the phone. And I distinctly remember just that sense of helplessness. You know, there's, of course, I had that, that sense of urgency as well. I needed to get there. But also this sense that, that, you know, this was largely out of my hands. And the only thing really that I could do was to offer this up to our Lord in prayer. And right before I got that call, I had actually written a prayer on this really large old blackboard that I installed in my office the week before. I was trying out some new chalk markers right before my wife called, and I didn't know what to write, so I thought I'll write something in Greek. And so what came to mind is an ancient Christian prayer in Greek called the Jesus Prayer. So I wrote that on the, the chalkboard. I'm actually looking at it right now. I haven't erased it. It still sits there in big letters in the middle of, of the chalkboards. Kyrie Jesu Christe, huia tuteu, eleison me ton harmatanon. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And when I put that phone down after talking to my wife, I looked at that prayer and I just dropped to my knees and began to recite it. Yeah. And I didn't stop reciting it the whole way to the hospital. It's a, about a 25 minute drive to the hospital. I think I made it there in about 15 minutes. Right. Uh, 
just reciting that prayer over and over and over, not so much even listening to the words. I mean, the Jesus prayer is, is kind of a bridge prayer. It's not about the words. It's about just bringing one into the presence of God so that whatever is on your heart or on your mind can be offered up as a prayer. And of course, what was on my heart and my mind that afternoon was my daughter's life. And so here I am just repeating that prayer, driving, you know, 90 miles an hour or whatever it was down the highway, just begging God to save my daughter's life, but also just abandoning myself to his, his providence, to his goodness, to his will, you know, Lord, if it's her time to, to be with you, uh, I'm, I'm okay with that. I, I will trust you. I will trust you still, Lord. Uh, I got to the hospital just as the ambulance arrived and that she was being carted into the emergency room. I joined my wife who had been there waiting for me. And over the course of the next, well, I don't know what it was, maybe 45 minutes or so, uh, they attempted to revive my daughter, but uh, to no avail. And during that 45 minutes, my wife and I, she was maybe six and a half or so months pregnant at the time. She sat in a chair outside the, the room, the emergency room. I knelt on the floor right there in the hallway of the emergency room, looking into the room as I watched them attempt to revive her. And we just prayed. Um, I remember being on that floor telling the Lord, I'm not getting off this floor, Lord. I'm going to, I don't know what my, my the, the language, the imagery in my mind was almost like, I'm going to wrestle with you. I'm going to fight with you. I'm going to fight for my daughter, you know? Right. Um, even though I, I'd given myself over to, to him, to his will, uh, I, I was at peace. If, if he chose to, you know, to not bring her back to life, that was okay. But I was like, my duty as a father right now was to plead for her life, you know? And so throughout the, the 45 minutes or so, just in constant prayer uh, until the doctor, I think it was around 3.13 in the afternoon, uh, pronounced her dead. Yeah. We're talking with Dr. Chad Gerber today. He's an assistant professor of theology at Walsh University in Ohio. And we're talking about his experience with the loss of his daughter. Something that happened earlier in that day even made, made it even stranger. Just about an hour before my wife had called, I had taken a break from grading my midterms and uh, had gone to an Amish sporting goods store down the road. And while I was there, I was involved along with another man in helping to save an elderly man's life hmm. uh, who was pin pinned in a nearby creek underwater and was near death when we pulled him out and rescued him. And I remember um, as I'm kneeling there on the floor of the hospital, just pleading for her life, just thinking, how bizarre this is that I'm watching my little girl die when I just helped to save this elderly man's life, you know, an hour and a half, two hours earlier. And, and now here I am driving home from the hospital to tell my children, uh, which has to be the most extraordinarily painful thing I've ever done is to line my children up, sit them down on the couch and kneel before them and tell them their sister's not coming home. Okay. But my wife and I had at this point in our lives been Christians for 25 or more years. And Timothy, one thing the Lord taught us during those years was that he's good and he's sovereign. And in life, we will suffer. I think that we process loss and death, which is the greatest loss of all, of course. Uh, in some way, we process those things according to the grip we have on this life. You know, uh, if we love the Lord Jesus with every ounce of our being, if we long for the life of the world to come, then we we hold loosely on this life. We know that it's fleeting. We know that suffering and the loss of earthly goods, whether it's a job or a home or you know a child, that those things can, if we let them, 
draw us closer to him and make us like him. And so I just feel like I have to just witness to the, the Lord's work in my wife's life and in my life that, yes, losing our daughter, telling our children, watching the, the pain in their lives as well, has been just agonizing. I don't want to sugarcoat that. It's been horrible, absolutely horrible. But at the same time, the Lord has been with us. At the same time, he has given us peace. Uh, he has given us joy. He has enabled us to lean into our pain, to, to befriend it, uh, and allow it to draw us deeper into the heart of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that is something I just felt like I had to share today. Uh, that you know, Because one thing we hear constantly from other parents is we don't know how you get through this. This is just, it's every parent's nightmare, isn't it? Mm-hmm. To imagine losing a child. You know, I'm not one to preach or to use my life as a, some sort of model or example. I'm a deeply flawed person. But this one thing I will say is that I gave my children over to the Lord, each of them, Evie included, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, the, the days before she died, a rather profound thing happened. I was just feeling the Lord, just sensing within me that he was asking me to just completely abandon myself to him, to give him everything. I was preparing for a class, for example, on the martyrs of the early church. That's my area of specialization is the early church. And I was preparing this lecture. And I remember as I was preparing it, the Lord just moving within me, prompting me to pray that maybe one day I could be a martyr. Maybe one day I could offer him my very life. You know, I was just wanting to give him everything. And that was what, on a Thursday, she died on a Saturday. And a couple of days later, then on Saturday morning, as I was driving over to my office to grade those papers, I remember praying again, Lord, I was still sort of thinking as I'm teaching about martyrs, I was teaching about early Christian monasticism. I was thinking a lot about suffering, whether it's self-imposed as in monasticism or whether it's giving one's life in martyrdom. I was thinking a lot about suffering as I was driving over that morning. And I remember feeling again the Lord stirring within me to offer a prayer. And so I said, Lord, I'm willing to suffer as much as I need to in this life to become the man of God that you want me to become. And it was almost as a voice. It wasn't actually audible, but deep within me, I heard him say, there's one thing you have not given me, Chad. And I knew exactly what it was. With my children. I had not fully, or at least recently, sort of offered them over to him. And I said, I said, Lord, yes, even them. They are yours. They are yours. So when I got that call from my wife, just hours later, the first thing that went through my mind, and this might sound really strange to your listeners, but the first thing that went through my mind was, okay, Lord, here we go. Hmm. I, I was ready. I was ready. And I guess that's what I'm trying to share is I felt the Lord had brought us to a place where as painful and as horrific as losing a child is, we were prepared. Well, Chad, thank you so much for sharing your story with us today. We've been talking with Dr. Chad Gerber, Assistant Professor of Theology at Walsh University. As we approach All Saints, let's ask for the intercession of those who have gone before us and remember those who have lost deeply. That's all the time we have for this week. Today's show has been brought to you by the generous contributions of John and Carrie Carlson and all the other Patreon supporters. Go to OutsideTheWalls.com, click that Patreon link, and see how you can support the show and get cool stuff as well. Until next week, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Peace.